In this episode, we bring on a very special guest, Lydia Haywood, who is an equestrian athlete representing Jamaica in the discipline of eventing. She is also the founder of her own foundation, Cool Ridings, and she's also the mentor at Brixton-based Ebony Horse Club, as well as working as the diversity, equality, and inclusion consultant at the Royal Agricultural University. We talk about her passion and journey through horses and eventing, as well as her mission and her work in promoting and advancing diversity and representation in the sport. Welcome to the Into the Unknown podcast, the show that dives into all things fitness, politics, mindset, current affairs, sports, and everything in between. With a generous sprinkling of humour, at least on my part, and pop culture, I'm Connor Campbell. And I'm Yushan Su. So without further ado, plug in, sit back, and enjoy being taken into the unknown. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Into the Unknown. Today we've got a really special guest. Today we've got on the podcast Lydia Haywood. Lydia is an equestrian athlete representing Jamaica in eventing. Her most recent achievements from this last season include a second place finish at Cornbury House International Horse Trials, as well as a win at the area festivals at Furl Place. Other than that, she is also the founder of her own foundation, Cool Ridings, which promotes and celebrates diversity in equestrian sport. She is also a mentor at the Brixton-based Ebony Horse Club, and as well as working as the diversity, equality, and inclusion consultant at the Royal Agricultural University. She's also someone I'm very lucky to call a friend. So uh, thanks for coming on the podcast, Lydia. Oh, thank you for the intro, making me blush, Yushan, and it's great to be invited and chat to you both today. It's been a while since I've seen you. I think Ebony Horse Club the last time, yeah? Yeah, yeah. What was it October at Ebony? Yeah, I suppose so. Now the season come to a close and you've gone off to Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, that was a that was a I'm sure we'll get into it later, but you know, that trip to Ebony Horse Club, and thank you for inviting me, by the way, but that was such a good day. Um, just seeing everything that they do and everything you do and, you know, how much the kids have been inspired and progressed through the sports and the opportunities that they've been getting um, to kind of move through up the levels in the sport as well, whether that's through racing or, and we had the um, Rural Agricultural Uni as well over there so no that was a really good day but before we get into all that let's just rewind to to the start basically you know what what got you what got you into horses what got you into eventing a bit about your background and yeah just everything up till till now where you're where you're at now basically sure yeah we can come back to ebony i started in the horse sport a little bit older than um than some i was 11 when i got my first pony and then before that i was really into kind of breeding rabbits so i've always loved animals and mum would take <laughs> swimming lessons and the pool actually shut which is the reason we went to the riding school after that on the saturday um my mum has always enjoyed riding and she was a groom a little bit in event yards but didn't have the support of parents um with 
just learned together over the years and um, I've imported horses from Ireland to try and you know, raise funds and find a little star which I did in the end who I held on to for 10 years and you know I remember meeting you in the warm-up arena at Kiso we were yeah 2019 yeah I was riding riding Billy then but I always skipped you beat me that day I fell off <laughs> Oh, well, I, I was just saying I always skip through the story way too quickly. But um, yeah, maybe because it's a little bit painful to tell because my mum passed away in October 2022. So I'm unpacking my childhood a little bit still at the minute. Mm. Um, I have a lot of happy memories from you know being in the horse world, but it put a lot of pressure on my mum as well. You know, she was single parent and I think having horses was a great way for us to spend spend time together you know we uh, just made so many amazing memories together and she was totally dedicated to me and the sport and you know we we created this shared goal so um you know I represent Jamaica now and that made her really proud um I've claimed dual nationality and that was a journey in itself actually um seeing as my father wasn't in my life at all but um yeah, yeah it's been it's, it's been a whirlwind journey <laughs> yeah absolutely and what I'm just interested to know because you don't you and I are a little bit on a similar boat in that we probably don't come from the most sort of stereotypical horsey backgrounds that would get people into eventing and into horse sports in general like what was it that that drew you in and what what's kept you in this you know I suppose I felt a real sense of belonging as soon as I got in the saddle uh, is, is that something that you experience as well yeah yeah. <laughs> connection with the horses and I just always wanted to improve their way of going and horse welfare was so important to me and making them my friends I'm probably a bit too soft with my eventers still giving them treats when I arrive at the yard but <laughs> they hear my car coming and they whinny and <laughs> the other pros in the barn probably roll their eyes and call me an amateur but I don't mind <laughs> well I don't know if you've seen my Instagram stories and stuff of just basically just me giving my horses carrots all the time that's kind of what I do <laughs> I've missed that <laughs> yeah so um yeah I mean that bit of a whirlwind like you say and I'd say from what I've seen especially the last four or five years you've obviously stepped up through the sports a lot um in the last say four or five years but also outside of eventing itself um you've done a lot for sort of racial inclusion and diversity in the sports and trying to raise that profile of kind of yeah like um more representation and and kind of shining a light on different backgrounds and things like that within within horses and within the equestrian community what sort of motivated you to do that and what got you into into that side of that side of things thank you firstly i mean it's something that i just wake up thinking about now it's my purpose and I I'm not going anywhere so I really enjoy working with the Cool Ridings members you know I I care about their journey deeply and probably more so than the Haywood family did about me when I was growing up but, <laughs> yeah uh, 
means so much to me and it stemmed from Ebony Horse Club really seeing all the all the young people that are natural in the saddle they deserve a chance and mm. they want to be sometimes eventers and you know I, I just think to myself it's a very untrodden path you know we need to forge that path and I don't want to make any young person feel disheartened so um it's building initiatives that's going to make the difference you need to be the change you want to see so that's what I've ended up doing um it's fantastic now to be talking with governing bodies you know British eventing did a brilliant training day that you missed out on January 14th uh 20 riders came to yeah the- no, that looked amazing it was a national training center in Leicester and not only did we have 20 riders with their horses you know kindly using the stables at the center we were able to invite some families that don't own horses and these families you know they remind me of me and my mum because you know they for example were a a single mum and a mixed race child is nine years old and looks up to me with big bright eyes and wants to be able to do it as well and now they're looking at you're getting their first pony and I'll keep in touch with them and you know go to viewings perhaps it's just so important that people have positive experiences and if an hour out of my day can enable that to happen then so be it you know I, I I juggle lots of plates and like you say I'm a DEI advisor at the Royal Agricultural University which it's actually been more exciting than I ever could have imagined, you know, having students message me a year after a lecture that I've given to inquire into work placements, how they can help rebalance the sport, because it's so important to them having seen my lecture. And yeah, it's, it's really moving. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of exciting stuff going on. Obviously, Cool Ridings, Everly Horse Club, uh, Royal Agricultural Uni, which we'll all get into get into all those things a bit later but one of the things I just really wanted to pick up on that you mentioned was I guess really stood out to me you know how like you say how invested you are in the journeys of all all of these kids um, that are part of Gridings and part of Ebony and and also that you you said you don't want them to ever feel disheartened or or feel like or make this kind of make this journey um, any harder than it needs to be, you know. And it, you know, you and I both know that it already comes with a big set of challenges anyway. Um, what was it like for you um, in terms of, you know, you talk about feeling a sense of belonging uh, when you're in the saddle. Um, did you feel the same kind of sense of belonging with the? equestrian community you know did you feel there was something missing and and I I get it's a little bit of a loaded question but given everything that you're doing now to sort of change that um change that environment but yeah just kind of paint the picture a little bit of what it was like or how you felt as someone growing up within this community you know and um yeah I'd just be interested to hear like what yeah, that what that was like and what how you kind of traversed that if you're yeah there's lots of different angles to it Yushuan um I couldn't find my people from the start in the sport um and I still get anxious going to the yard this to you know in this present day um it's about feeling isolated and alienated which you know is 
only avoidable when you have confidence, self-belief and love for yourself. And that is something that, you know, a camaraderie and a community can help you with, which is why Cool Ridings exists. Uh, Pony Club days, I was, you know, feeling isolated and alienated. I would walk up a long stable block to escape the other Pony Club members, a Pony Club camp, to put my riding hat on, for example, just didn't need the grief. Um, I'd give it back, you know, but I didn't need it in the first place. Yeah. Uh, I heard it all before, uh, all the comments that come with getting your hair band out when you've got Afro-Caribbean hair at Pony Club camp. Not something that is comfortable to go back to. And I want to make sure the next generation feel more comfortable you know, it's very easy to fall out of love with the sport because I know that because not personal experience, because of the other black riders that have left the sport. I'm not the first person of colour in the sport. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I could have a team around me now. You know, I look at you and the Hong Kong riders and I'm so inspired by what you're doing and you know the communication that you have, regardless of whether you're at the same yards or not supporting each other you know just simply tagging on Instagram and commenting you know I don't I, I don't have that within Jamaican Federation yeah. but I have it in cool ridings you know and, and every member will will have that you know that kind of support um, school isn't easy when um, you're trying to be in the cool group and you ride horses you know mm. um, it was <laughs> having two personalities and I had two Facebook pages so some people didn't have to know that I rode um, really? it's pressure to try and remember who knows what and nobody celebrated my competitions with me and maybe that's my own doing for keeping it all quiet but nobody asked anyway you know I have friends that are close to me now and I've grown up with them through school and I don't hold it against them for not asking about my sport because um, that was it's not something I expect from them I I'm really um, I, I commend their other qualities basically you know mm. uh, so that they're, they're still best friends but I was terrorized at school for going to pony club camp and it was daily like I say dish it back but that's how it was yeah yeah god I'm I'm absolutely shocked I mean to be honest I'm first thing I want to say is thanks so much for sharing that because you know going into conversation like that are never easy regardless of obviously how it's happened currently like you've managed to do so well because of the or not because of but in spite of the scenarios that you've you found yourself in and uh I want I thought this was really kind of pertinent to put out was I was doing obviously a little bit of research this is the first time we've ever met and every single bit of information that I read I just got more and more and more impressed. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like, honestly, Lydia, it's, it's fantastic. But one thing that really stood out to me, which you've mentioned a couple of times uh, in the last, you know, five, 10 minutes or so is for cool ridings, something that really stood out to me was children can't be what they don't see. And now one thing that I really love about that is obviously I hate that you had to go through those experiences, but I think it's 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 put you in such a unique position and 
it, it's always a kind of a double-edged sword, but it's just amazing that you've kind of come out the other side and you've got these experiences and now you're trying to do better because of that. And uh, it's honestly, it's just so inspiring. Like I'm not even in the, the equestrian world. And I, <laughs> I hate to like, I can see your face getting red, but I don't have anything else to say. Like it's honestly, it's fantastic. And that just really stood out to me. So um, I want to really, what I'm asking <laughs> rather than just bigging you up is, um, <laughs> you know, when you, when you say children can't be what they don't see, I just want to kind of get into that just a little bit before we, I know I've kind of stopped the conversation where it was flowing. Um, you know, what, what do you mean by that? And like, what sort of things are you trying to achieve when you, when you say, when you say that? Well, I know from equestrian sport that we don't have that Serena Williams or that Lewis Hamilton uh, that's forged a path that a black child can see. I can actually make that because they've done it. And, you know, people can dismiss that statement and say that, you know, oh, everyone's all the same, colours are relevant. But it's um, not the case because uh, our... Often I'm finding that the people in my circles don't know about eventing and aren't therefore quite uninterested. And also the perception of the sport doesn't help. You know, they are quite worried about me being in the sport, to be honest, with the kind of elitist connotations that it comes mm. with. Um, so will they buy me a horse to compete like my competitors, you know, friends and family do? No, no, it's it doesn't quite go like that I mean the perception of the sport also affects Ebony Horse Club members because they're not telling their friends at school that they ride either mm. so how is the perception of our sport going to improve when everyone's so secretive about the fact they're in it um, I think it needs to be made cool and I think Yushuan's a, a key per person in the mission <laughs> and um, a cool riding's are not even trying <laughs> you are trying I've seen <laughs> it's great we're bringing in popular music into the sport you know with our reels and things social media <laughs> gonna help and you've got fantastic brands you know that are getting behind cool riding you know we've aligned with the likes of Ariat and mm. Joe and Charles Owen uh, who stand with us um, in their own ways which we're very grateful for um I think the school, the sport does need to be cool and relevant. Um, and looking at whether we have a future in the Olympics is worrying. And I think that's very telling for how relevant the sport is in the present mm. day. You know, the demographic in this country, the mixed race demographic is the fastest growing. We need to be relevant to that demographic now. So I think the British Equestrian Federation need to stop ignoring my messages and start working with me <laughs> you heard it here you heard it here first <laughs> um, yeah that's uh it's really interesting to me as well because you know I, i'm not quite sure how to frame this but the way you put it is the and by the way i agree with you completely the fact that you know, just the existence of our sport in, say, the Olympics or in mainstream media. And, but the question about um, sort of representation and things like that, it's quite often always framed as, you know, like how can 
people from um, black backgrounds or Asian or like minority backgrounds be represented and be relevant in the sport, but also the way you put it, like flip it around and like, how can the sport be relevant to them and their communities? And I've never thought about that. Like I've actually never, that's just that side of things is that's never crossed my mind. That's mad. Like, um, and it's so true because how can, how can anyone sort of aspire and, 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 you know, openly and confidently want to be there when that's not seen as something to do like that's not seen as something that you'd want to do that's not seen as being a basketball player or a musician you know like it's um so obviously you do a lot to kind of forward that and go on like tell tell us about cool writings you, you know like it's been brought up a lot already but how how did it start like what gave you that sort of inspiration to start that kind of organization and and obviously Kona loves the name by the way absolutely how did you yeah how did you come up with it all well my work with Ebony had started in 2017 and I loved every second of being on that yard you know I've mentioned the fact I've had two personalities a little bit growing up and that's somewhere I didn't need to. Uh, I was be, I was able to be Lydia, and the other. I I don't know how to explain it to your audience because it's a feeling. It's a feeling of of confidence, acceptance, and, and belonging. Again, um, they they were so welcoming, and I resonated with all of them for the first time. I resonated with equestrians on a yard, um, and it was a magic moment just like when I walked from the back of my lorry at a competition and saw a very magnificent horse being ridden by a chap called Reese, and he just qualified for Hoys at this show and he was mixed race and my jaw dropped to the floor and it's the first time I'd seen a black person at a competition and you know these feelings are so special that I don't I don't think it should be a one-off um you know I'm creating cool ridings training days with black people that haven't ridden with other black people and, and they're in their 30s you know and it's a real special feeling so ebony horse club is just a 10 out of 10 for atmosphere and the coaching they provide the opportunities so i was able to keep in touch with some riders that wanted to get more competitive you know ebony horse club wanted the support and seeing that that unfortunately isn't a path laid out for passionate riders that don't own horses to get competitive in the sport. So we started to work together and the High Commission at the time, we're in Jam High Commission of Jamaica in London. I was it's somewhere I'd visit when I went to Ebony Horse Club. They're quite close to each other. And I'd pop in um, just to um, really keep up with the High Commissioner, Seth George Ramekin, fantastic gentleman. Um, he's recently uh, relinquished the role of High Commissioner, but he was in a meeting with me and said that I will have a movie called Cool Ridings. And I said, hey, well, I like that. <laughs> and uh, kept it. And I thought it's going to be perfect for this foundation because ultimately I want to be able to create opportunities for riders that are passionate about committing to the sport and increased representation in the sport, which will 
bring more spectators, whether that's virtual spectators or more footfall at shows. And, and then we're looking at better sponsors for everyone. You know, we have to look at all angles of the sport and the relevance. Another key term, of course, is social license, something that keeps coming up mm. at the moment. Have you heard that term? No, say no, more. I haven't. No, so I think FEI had mentioned at the annual general assembly that you know, social license is a key factor to continuing with yeah, Olympic equestrian disciplines, and yeah. I I know that it's more based around the horse's welfare and making sure that they're always totally sound, totally comfortable. Um, but social license to me can also be the communities and their thoughts about equestrian sport. Mm. Um, so Ebony Horse Club and other city riding schools, you know, they're providing a next generation with a chance to get into the sport, but then their passions are formed. So we can't just disappoint all these people that are passionate about our sport. Um, that's how I feel. And I, I think if we come together with the right people, we can really make the change. And if I had if I had sufficient funds, there would be a yard for developing nations to train yeah. together. And we'd have a coach that has had a long career in the sports, maybe a GB rider that has the same ethos as us and wants to train us every day. You know, I'm like a sponge. I, I want to learn from excellent riders. That's why I've based myself with fantastic riders. It's something that breaks the bank, frankly. You know, um, I... I've tried the DIY livery yards and I've been on so many yards. It's it's stressful because um, there's been an awful lot of yard moves in the past two or three years. And um, my partner's been there to, to help with that. But you've got to think, um, what's the solution? Because I've had awful experiences on yards where you know, landowners have a power trip and scream in my face. Um, it's not mm. nice. And I'm very polite. I'm very tidy. I look after my horses. There's no need for it. I uh, just want to have somewhere I feel comfortable and, and progress. And I, I think I found it now with Phoebe Locke and your, your friend Kelly is next door barn and Alex. Yeah represents South Africa is also in the barn there and oh, um, she there now he oh other Alec yeah cool. so we've we've got some great event riders and great facilities and it's just um really necessary for for getting to where I want to be I think amazing yeah definitely and, and no that's that's what it's obviously such a well, like you say, it's such a journey, and with uh, yeah, things like the social license and keeping that license and keeping the relevance of our sports and kind of being accepted. Um, do you know what I mean? In I just feel like in equestrian and maybe more so in eventing. I'm not sure. It a lot of it just lives in such a bubble, and the community. Wow of the, the our sports lives in quite it can be often seems to be quite a closed off bubble and so 
I mean, I I resonate with what you say completely in that, you know, when people say it's got nothing to do with, say, the color of your skin or it's got nothing to do with your background or where you come from or things like that. It is that feeling of, you know, almost having that, like you say, that dual personality of, uh, and just that conflict of different things that you love and you're passionate about, but they don't always mix that well, or those communities don't always mix that well. You know, like I love eventing and I love horses, but I also like when I'm in that environment and that community where everyone loves eventing and everyone loves horses, a lot of those people don't have the same like social or political views as I do. They don't listen to the same music as I do. They don't um, dress the same as I do, you know, all of those things. And so I 100% understand what you're saying and where you're coming from with, it's just that feeling of that lack of belonging that, you know, when you're all of a sudden immersed in a, in an environment where people have the same passions in, as you, but also understand the rest of you and your identity, like you no longer have to have that inner conflict of these sort of clashing passions and clashing communities that don't really mix well together. And probably in a nutshell, this is really cool because, you know, Connor and I have tried to explore this previously about, you know, why actually is representation of racial diversity and, you know, all those things. Why is that actually important and necessary in uh, sporting communities and circles? And this is probably it, you know, this, what you say with that feeling of conflict and that feeling of inner conflict because of the lack of representation, whether that be racial, whether that be from different backgrounds and things like that, and not having someone to look up to and, and not having a community that you feel welcome in so i'm kind of interested to know from that as well like with you growing up and with you kind of emerging in the sport what was your you know who influenced you and what was your who did you look up to i wanted to make my mum proud a lot um and that still stands so we'd go to shows and i'd try to hold it together and get those clear rounds you know when it went wrong I, I did have a tempo at one point and horses really helped me with that you know I'm, I'm much more mellow and um, hopefully a, a better person we're all growing you know and I think horses contributed to my growth a lot um, so my mum putting me on that path yeah I'm so grateful for um, oh dear it was yeah, it was just your past point that really caught me where you um, just had me thinking about, you know, admitting that there's a problem because I didn't want to admit that there's a problem with the sport. Yeah. Um, I was just really enjoying going going through the levels of show jumping. And at that point, I had a real fear of dressage, so I didn't want to go eventing. <laughs> I was working with a lady called Joanne Holdo, still a very good friend of mine, We're importing horses from Ireland, and she's saying you're just such a brave cross-country rider you've got to go for it um so those people in your life are so special and I hope they realize how special they are to me um someone that really celebrates you just makes all the difference I think 
has mm. there been people that celebrate you along the way absolutely yeah um and that's the thing you know the fact that you know admitting or or kind of acknowledging that there is this problem it doesn't take away from the fact that the equestrian community has in many ways been filled with the most kind of supportive and welcoming people that that i know and you know regardless of what their views are on certain things like i yeah like like you say and i'm sure you can relate you know there have been a lot of people along the way that have just given me opportunities like welcomed me with open arms and people who you know like um howard my my main horse owner who's just you know put his trust in me from the start and believed and still believes in me um before i had any results you know and um a lot of coaches along the way that have just taken me in um and i felt like i was part of the family and part of the team and and just so much learning um but yeah so that in itself feels like a conflict doesn't it like the fact that you have like balancing understanding that there is this kind of lack of representation and there is this kind of lack of acknowledgement and acceptance of what we do in, in, in our sport by the kind of wider community and, and different communities balancing that with actually there is a really good bunch of people and it is a good good group like it's a good community and and you know i wouldn't be where i am today and you know i'm sure you'd be the same without all of these people around us but you know we've recognized the that there is a problem uh, and there is a a bit of a you know lack of representation and and there's a lot more that can be done to forward greater diversity and things like that like I think they're really leading the way with initiatives and um, yeah, it's great to see. I mean, mm. all, there was a hunt ball you know, going on last weekend. I avoid them like the plague. You know, it's just not so, my <laughs> So um, it's, it, it's I, I really hope that our worlds can can come together and, and be accepting of each other. And I, I want to celebrate Caribbean food at events, for example, jerk chicken between phases. Yes, please. Uh, <laughs> I, I it, it is like silly things like that or like small things like that, isn't it? Like I got so excited when I was at Osbiton and there was a food selling, uh, there was a stand selling Thai food and there was a stand selling Indian food, like just little things like that do make a big difference. Um, what, what's the solution <laughs> um i'm hoping you can share a bit of insight because i'm uh, at a bit of a loss i i definitely have solutions i've made presentations and i'm in talks at the moment so i can't give them all away but i have already mentioned the you know, yard for developing nations training together it's something that you've benefited from i mean do you do you think that's a good idea before you eat that biscuit <laughs> that was a close one i absolutely do think that's a good idea and the reason and i think we've had conversations about this before as well is there's no getting around 
the fact that and you know we've spoken about this corner um on the podcast as well as um there's no getting around the fact that there is an extremely high barrier of entry to our sport um especially financially mm. you know i mean basically horses cost a lot of money and buying horses keeping horses running horses all of those things to a high standard cost a lot of money and you, you know i have been extremely blessed and fortunate that like i said before a lot of people have put a lot of faith and trust in me and have supported me these years for me to be where i am now and continue to do so and allow me to you know make this what i do for a, a living and and turn this passion into a career which i'm just always thankful for but a lot of people don't have like aren't given the same support and resources and aren't you know people who are extremely talented a lot more talented than i am you know like i go to ebony and i see those kids ride and i'm just like at what i was their age i had a lot more to do with riding a lot more you know to do with horses but i couldn't ride half as good as they did you know but they haven't been given the same opportunities and and the same resources exposed to the same level of support that i have been um so you know that would be amazing to have a a kind of base to support those riders with the resources with the horses with the training things like that that would be ideal you know that would be the ideal world um so yeah i'm all for that if you can make that happen please um what well, else in commend, terms I commend of the fact you found a fantastic owner and i hope you get many more you know i'm you, you look like an athlete that's going places and it makes me so happy you know um your federation behind you you know, kudos to to hong kong federation they've got a fantastic team that i'm so inspired by um yeah go team hong kong but i think here in uk government intervention can happen and big brand sponsorship pots are enormous you know i think everyone's closed-minded you know once we improve the perception of this sport we could be talking about millions of pounds in sponsorship annually and then this yard will be easy to purchase and it will fund itself we'll all be self-sufficient because of a few ideas i've got in my head which are in the presentation that i can't speak about but once the yard it's, it's just an asset <laughs> You know, it's, a, it's an asset that will hopefully rise in value and we'll all be training away and it's positive PR for said company. So fantastic. Mm. You know, I, it's so easily done. It's not unreachable. Everyone thinks it's a, a, a big wild thought. Um, yeah, I think outside the box, but it's attainable. Mm. Yeah, I mean, all it has to do is just be done. It's, it's not like it like as much as people think this is it's this big thing like okay yeah it's a lot of money but it's not in reality is it because they already have it they're giving it to other people so why can't they just siphon it off like why can't they just give like this is one of the things that we have discussions about off air and also on air and we had it with Khadija that 
you know, obviously the accessible the barrier to entry for equestrian sports is obviously a lot higher than it would be for, for weightlifting sports. Like all you need is a bar. You need a gym membership, which you can get a gym membership anywhere. Really. You don't have to go to a super fancy gym. If you can't afford a coach, there's loads of resources online. So actually the barrier to entry is a lot less and you find that through history and it's not just kind of financial weightlifting or just strength sports in general has been far more inviting of of everybody and anybody regardless of where you're from your socio-economic background your cultural beliefs your religious beliefs it doesn't matter no one cares like you're under a bar you're doing the same shit as everyone else is doing like it doesn't matter and that's really all it comes down to (laughs) like that really is is it you're just asking for the chance and that's all someone has to do is go yeah sure no worries i'll give you that chance um it it must it must be infuriating uh and i do want to hear some of the ideas that you have off air as well because i'm just i'm fascinated as to how this realm works because outside of equestrian it just baffles me uh obviously equestrian is not the only sport where uh, you know, there's underrepresentation in certain groups. Um, but we've had Khadija on the podcast speak about similar things. You know, we now have you on the podcast. Um, it, Mary as well has spoken about it, similar to athletics, that it just, it's, I'm not sure. It just really, it, it frustrates me because I feel like I want to do something, but hey, I, I, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Uh, this is this is my solution is getting you guys on the podcast to to, to share your ideas in the hope that someone actually bloody listens because that's <laughs> all they need to do is just listen i've just been on like a five minute rant and i haven't achieved anything but i feel better for it hang right, on no so. that is good though because <laughs> realistically what can people do and mm. and you know we talk about uh say in the equestrian community there are people who I think at least are genuinely good people and people who want to be supportive and people who do want to advance the sport and advance, you know, representation in the sport and bringing it to or back to the public eye and and mainstream media and make it a much more accessible sport for everyone. What can we do? And what can, yeah, what can just people do in general, whether they're, part of the sport as riders they their viewers their fans like what what's out there for everyone i know starting with perception is something i'm keen to do the perception of the sport is something to focus on we've got parents that are really keen for their young people to their children to go into a sport and they're picking other sports so that's something that can boost participation from people from all different backgrounds you know if we get that fixed um it's something that i'm thinking about all the time and working with brands that um, are you know, setting up all sorts of shoots and clinics with cool ridings is definitely helpful we're getting into magazines and those magazines are then able to be taken to the city riding schools with me and I say you know, uh, you know showing them the articles and I don't I don't really say much at all I just see their little brains ticking away and then they um, talk to me about their Olympic dreams and you know, it's it's so nice to have a have a spot um in in some of these magazines yeah. 
the brands for that reason. Um, I I know that accessibility and transportation can be improved. You know, um, mini buses from city centres to riding schools. It would mean that when parents don't drive, their children can still access these riding schools. I've uh, talked about that with the British Horse Society, and um, it's it's important that you know, for example, British Horse Society is a, is available worldwide. It's great that they went into Asia fairly recently, but they've avoided the Caribbean and been quite blunt in their replies to the president of our federation, actually. So I think they need to reconsider that. You know, there's some really passionate people in Jamaica that would like to get qualifications to go abroad to work. And yeah. staff shortage, I think that would be helpful. Um, I'm concerned that the staff shortage is a is a is a reason that some some of the diversity initiatives are being launched, which I don't like, and I I'm not in support of that. Um, filling a staff shortage and creating opportunities are two very different things. Mm. So it's fantastic to get work experience on a yard. We all need that. Where does it lead? I've had work experience on yards and it's it's taught me lots of things about how to travel horses to shows and how to cool them down after cross country, you know, all these great things. And once you've once you've had time on a yard and you want to expand and get into the sport, there's nothing there for you, which is where the Yard for Developing Nations would come in very handy. Um, I'm not saying that work experience should be abolished by any means but we need more opportunities for people would you agree 100 percent, yeah 100 percent. and you know that's that's what i was kind of trying to get at earlier and actually i think something that we spoke about with khadija as well and um the fact that that it's it just feels like there's a dead end um you know it's great like work experience you go to a yard as a working pupil um you spend a year or six months or whatever it is working at a yard working with horses learning about eventing learning about horse care and then at the end of it there's you're, you're back to where you started like yes you've got more knowledge but you've still not got a horse you've still not got rides you've still you know do you know what i mean like you you're still left it left at the gates mm. at the the very high barriers of entry um without exactly. without anything to to go forward with um one so. one thing that i have been able to recommend is the racing industry you know you've got new mm. market when you get on a yard and you get your jockey license you've got rides and you can win prize money on horses owned by other people you know you get recognized for riding winners and um, Tyrese Cameron is one of those people he's a cool riders member from Swindon he's uh, 18 now and when we started to ride together um, he was just going off horses because he's never had one of his own he'd sit on his mum's cob and he really enjoyed being at the yard with the cob but the atmosphere wasn't exactly what he was used to because he likes to be you know going out after school with his friends he was someone that I could resonate with because you had that kind of double life he didn't talk about yeah. the horses yeah. when he decided to be uh wanted to be a jockey we had to get him to my yard to ride my vent horse and canter her 
for the footage for British Racing School so he could then get the interview and he was the only one out of 10 I think 10 16 year olds in the process Tyrese was the only one to get in so I was really proud of him now he's riding winners and that is a real route into the sport it's not an Olympic Mm. discipline no Olympic disciplines want to forge a path full stop yeah yeah seeing it I'm not I'm not seeing the initiatives they're not rocking my world at all Mm. but British eventing aligning with cool ridings as of this year January 2023 it was groundbreaking and I'm so excited for the future so big thanks to Justine Parker for working with me on that it is it is like you say groundbreaking and really exciting for that partnership you know and really like sort of refreshing to see as well and and the fact that British eventing have kind of taken initiative or or accepted that there is work to be done um and have obviously teamed up with the right (laughs) the right people so exciting stuff with that what else is uh what's coming up what's next for Lydia what's next for cool ridings what's next for uh I've got my main horse fit. Yeah, I was competing one last year. It did start with two horses and um, he will make a comeback this year. But I'm really focusing on Tulla Halotti. She's got a novice run booked in already. So um, that will be Poplar Park, 4th of March. And then we'll be going across to France, my first trip abroad. And then we will look to get a qualification to go to the Central American Caribbean Games in June. I wasn't able to get that qualification end of last year. Um, my aim was Bicton and um, didn't make it. Yeah, I just had to make sure that my mum was uh, comfortable at all times. So, you know, I wanted to make her proud and continue through last year. It was the only thing that kept a smile on her face. Um, just getting updates about the horses. And when I start eventing this year, it's going to be the first year that I can't pick up the phone and give my mum those updates after each phase that she'd nag me for. I uh, say, so, uh, I'm actually quite, quite tight times between dressage and show jumping. I don't think, <laughs> idiot, yes, we need to talk. I'm sat in this bed all day waiting for you. <laughs> you can't even call me after dressage you know so I don't even get nagged anymore but um I miss it terribly so I'll try and keep myself strong and progressing um you know mindset is so important and um I've by no means mastered it we've got a great team around me um my my partner Omran and um, Mia Benton is it's just an amazing friend that's also very handy with the camera and great with the horses so really appreciate her support at events um yeah we've got big dreams to fulfill and um when I was training with British eventing separate to cool ridings just last week they were perhaps concerned about my lack of experience within the team and I remember being um recommended a groom several times take take this number you know I, th- I think you should take someone with you so we'll see you know I feel, I feel like I've got the knowledge I feel like I've done the research I'm not taking a professional groom with me to France but let's do this you know I've just just got to make it I'm so so determined to um experience eventing abroad you know I 
Mm. I've got a lot of things that I want to do. Just looking through the fixtures uh, showed me how many events I haven't been to, you know, the Chatsworth, the Thorsby, even though I've gone up to intermediate level, um, I've had to kind of re rejig things with my horses when Billy got to age 13 and couldn't go further than intermediate um, with his height and ability. So he was sold to a lovely young rider. And I was producing two three-year-olds. So they're now eight. And um, I've got some interest in buying a horse separate to those two horses that I own. So really looking forward to doing some viewings and um, hopefully securing a third horse for myself. Exciting. So how do people, um, obviously we've spoken a lot about cool ridings. How can we, where can we direct people and how can people get involved? Even people that aren't involved in equestrian, is there anything that say I can do? Is there anything that we can do as a whole? Because obviously we're talking about the, as usual likes to say, the microcosm, I've used that word excellently, uh, of equestrian, but obviously you're learning. You're learning. There's, a, there's a big wide world. Now, obviously, I didn't know anything about equestrian before I met you, Shuan. To be honest, I still don't. Um, but I do the best I can. And... <laughs> we're all just we're all just guessing at this point. Um, you know, but it's not just I, I don't think it's just a responsibility of people that are in equestrian. I think actually opening it up to the wider world and being able to actually have discussions like this with, say, me, who's very inexperienced in in the equestrian world is also important because it shines a light on not just equestrian but actually bigger picture issues um and issues that well let's face it need to be spoken about because people just brush it under the carpet in like british culture it's like just no we just won't talk about it and it's not there um so going back to my original question was how can we help uh, if if anything this podcast has been great so yeah thanks for that firstly um you train Yushuan very well so he's very strong athlete now so he's going to go get gold thanks <laughs> it's very rare that my partner Amran can watch a fitness video without critiquing it and apparently your posture and technique is very good so <laughs> Good. If anyone's interested in learning more about the sport, coming and stroking my horse in Wiltshire, you can just go on www.coolridingsequestrian.com, contact us, and um, it would be a joy to have a chat on the phone. We'll go from there. I mean, it's just important that that accessibility is improved. The British eventing training, for example, not everybody has horse transport. So I drove through the night in my three and a half ton Leicester to London picking up horses. And this is all going to continue and just get bigger and better. What can you do to help? Um, yeah, just celebrate and support the diversity that does exist. Uh, that's that's something that we can all do free of charge and um some of the equestrian publications can't even do that but I've got the Cool Ridings Facebook page <laughs> where I share anything that is you know showing an underrepresented rider in all their glory so just yeah do do a bit of that maybe. Amazing. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast it was such an amazing conversation really exciting things for you coming this year and 
and beyond. I know for a fact that you've made your mum proud and you continue to do so. And like I tell you all the time as well, like you're doing such amazing work within the sport and also around it. Everything that you do for yourself and the people around you, it's just, it's amazing to watch and it's inspirational. So thank you. Absolutely. That's really cool. Thanks for having me. I've I've enjoyed the conversation as well. Good luck with your season and um, good luck, Connor, with whatever your plans are. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, a lots have changed with Yushan season, but that's for an off-air discussion. (laughs) But yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Um, Not just for the equestrian world, but you've honestly, you've inspired me just in general, like, the way that you think and the things that you've been through and yeah it's just fun amazing it's been a honestly it's been a fantastic talk i've loved every minute of it thank you so much for coming on thank you so much for joining us into the unknown uh if you want to connect with us and get in touch you can find out more about me at stoke strength systems on instagram and connor lift stuff for my business page and you can find me at at yushan.su.eventing on Instagram, yushan.su.eventing on Facebook, and suyushaneventing.com. And if you want to get a bit more engaged uh, with our community and you liked this episode, please like and subscribe, uh, follow on, the, on, on Spotify, and we'd also love to hear your thoughts on this episode's topics, so please drop them in the comments. Catch you next week.